0: following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at ten fifteen, or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. All right, guys, turn to Romans chapter twelve. Those who are a part of our Wednesday night Romans class, this is where it went. this is where we're going to be getting into the second part of Romans It gets practical. Um, next semester. I'm excited about that. I was so excited about it, I was like, we're going to get a preview. All right, so um, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8. Romans 12, 3 through 8. If you'd like to get there, it's in probably about the first third of your New Testament. That's where it's at in my Bible. Um, You don't know where that's at in your Bible? Look to the table of contents. That's fine. All right, just make sure you get there. You know something? When I was 14 years old, 14, I, I, I began, um, my, my, I guess my outdoor passion career, yeah, whatever, um, um, what I enjoy doing outdoors in, in hunting deer, okay, that, that began for, when I was 14, about, what, 75 years ago, Mike, about 75, 80 years ago, okay, and, um, um, I'm going to tell you what an afternoon, evening of deer hunting looked like for me, the 14 year old. Um, it looked like this, getting home from school, getting off the bus, going inside. Usually it was early in October, putting on a camouflage t-shirt, keeping my jeans on. All right. Didn't get, I didn't have camouflage pants. Are you kidding me? Um, grabbing my bow, finding a five gallon bucket. Okay. And going and finding a place in a hedgerow to sit. And look for deer. If 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 we had a few two by fours and a piece of plywood in a tree somewhere that I could get off the ground, that was like wow. This this is like hunting like they do in outdoor life now, you know. Because that Field and Stream magazine, this is like the real deal. But most of the time on a bucket, you know, on the ground. And if I saw a deer, it didn't matter if it was a mile away or if it was. Three 300 yards away, it never was much closer than that. But if I saw a deer, I mean, I was like on cloud nine. I mean, mission accomplished, okay? These days, things are a little different. Um, things are so complicated. I begin with my family preparing for deer season long about, deer season starts around October, a little bit earlier than that. We start, you know, February, getting ready for it. Um, it's crazy. Things are completely different. I will tell you this. I do shoot a few more deer, but to say things have become more complicated when it means getting ready for an afternoon of deer hunting would be a laughable understatement. And this is, that applies to so many things in life. It is a simple conclusion in life that with success and growth comes complication, It's just the way it works in business, it's the way it works in hobbies, it works that way in everything. Two weeks ago, we talked about how to successfully be a part, an active part of a big church. Okay? Today, we are going to look at how to successfully be a part serving in a big church. And remember, if you weren't here two weeks ago and you when I say the words big church, I know what you have in your brain, those churches you see on TV and, and the the you know, the things you see on the computer when you're when you're watching a sermon of your favorite preacher or something like that and there's this auditorium that sees thousands of people, but but we're defining big by more than seventy five, because when you get more than seventy five people in a group, you begin to lose touch. Because the group's too big. Okay? When we get to Romans chapter 12, what I love about what Paul does here. The first half of Romans is all about teaching. It's all about doctrine. It's about what Paul has to say about the gospel. And the gospel is this. Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And through him we have life. Eternal life. He's coming again. Again. That's a gospel message. In the first half of Romans, he talks in detail about what that looks like. And then you get to Romans chapter 12, and he gets all practical on us. All right, Paul gets practical here. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 3. We're going to read down through verse 8. Romans 12, 3 through 8. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard. This is what it says. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. He who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. And then and it's almost hard to stop there because it just gets better and better. Verse 9, I mean, it just really, really gets with it. If you like the talk of that, when we start our Wednesday nights back up after our Christmas break, which we haven't started yet, come join us right here in this room for class. And I'm looking forward to beginning into Romans chapter 12. But I believe as we look to this Romans 12, 3 through 8, that Paul gives us Paul gives us three pieces of advice when it comes to serving In life and serving in the church. Paul gives us three pieces of advice when it comes to serving in the church. If you're a note taker, here's your chance, all right? Here we go. Number one piece of advice Paul gives to those serving in the church is this stay humble. Stay humble. Look at verse 3. I see a lot of you got your Bibles open, and that is awesome, okay? Verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. You just Isn't that a great verse? Can you think of a few times that you would like to quote scripture to someone? You really ought to not think of yourself higher than you should. Think you could use that one this week at work, maybe? Maybe, just maybe? I'm not sure that's the time, okay, because I think we're supposed to look at Scripture and apply it to us before we apply it to anybody else, right? Paul says, don't think too highly of yourself, but think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. In that verse, in the numeric standard anyway, and I'm sure in the version you have, it has something similar. It uses think, think, think. What Paul is saying here, and he's talking about us thinking about ourselves. Paul puts a tremendous amount of emphasis on what we ought to think about ourselves. Okay? And how we are to think about ourselves. And Paul is not going to sell us short. Because Paul understands that each one of us was worthy and is worthy enough that the Son of God died on the cross. For you and for me. So there is worth there, people. And on your days when you're not battling the stay humble thing. You're kind of battling the self-conscious thing. Or battling the the self-value thing. We need to understand that our God sees us as incredibly valuable. But Paul also pairs that with this. We should think of ourselves with sound judgment. And what in the world is that getting at? It means this, honestly, with common sense, with objectiveness. And it means this, nobody in this room who is a part of God's kingdom and part of the body of Jesus Christ, meaning the church, there is nobody in this room, any of us, that is indispensable If God wants something done, he will get it done with you, with me, or with somebody else. Now, the flip side of that is this. He desperately wants to use you. He desperately wants to use me. Especially when it comes to the expansion of the message of the gospel. Okay, one real quick squirrel here, okay? Clint sent me a picture this week that he saw. What did that say? I didn't say it. I, I've got it on my phone, but I don't have my phone with me. Yeah. Why did you send that to me? I don't understand, Clint. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I've been known to chase a squirrel or two. But I'm only going to do one today, all right? Only one. And this is a very important, very, very big, good squirrel, okay? And this is it. Some of what God asks us to do is not based on gifts, which we're going to talk about next, spiritual gifts, the talents God has given us. Some of what he asks us to do is not based on whether we have a gift or not, but it is based upon responsibility that has been laid on our shoulders by him. And what that means is this, we are all to be presenters of the gospel, every one of us. That's part of this arrangement. We talk about the one who saved us and who rules our life now. And it's not like you can't say, well, that's not my spiritual gift. Whatever. It's your and my. It's our responsibility. And we're to be opening our mouths and talking about the one that changed our lives. Okay. Squirrel chasing done. That's it. This is what Paul says first and foremost when it comes to serving is this. We're supposed to stay humble. Okay? You might be the most talented person in this room in some way, and you can get the job done for the Lord better than anybody else in this room. But understand, if you don't do it, God's going to raise somebody else in this room up to do it. We need to stay humble. We The talents we have, we have been given those talents by God, okay? Number one piece of advice when it comes to serving in the church, stay humble. Number two, identify our gifts. You know what? Some of you, and I'm not even talking about the young ones, okay? I'm talking about all of you, okay? and Well, me on some levels. I've kind of gotten over this, but... There's some in this, in this room who would put Sherlock Holmes to shame when it comes to your skill of finding out what you're getting for Christmas. Yeah, you know, there are those who leave that behind with childhood, and there are some people who apparently just never grow up because they're going to find out what they're getting for Christmas. That's just all there is to it. Is there anybody in this room who has checked your Amazon, Walmart, or eBay account so that your spouse has been on there looking for something, and you're trying to figure out what they're getting you for Christmas? Anybody? Yeah, because you don't want your spouses here and you don't want to raise your hand right now, okay? You're telling me an email comes to you about an item from eBay that you didn't buy. Christmas is less than four weeks away and you're not opening that email? Whatever. Come on, Sherlock. Yeah. It is kind of funny when it comes to Christmas gifts and it is a running joke, I think, in every family. has somebody who likes to find out what it is. They're usually pretty good at it. When it comes to God's gifts, though, it's a little different. It's His desire that we know what they, that we know what they are. It's not like some Christmas morning great surprise. He wants us to know in the ways in which He has gifted us to serve in His kingdom, and He wants us to know it. The sooner, the better. Now, keep this in mind. Sometimes those gifts, gifts can and will, and talents can and will develop over time. You might have a talent today to use for the Lord that you did not have six or seven years ago. Or even six or seven months ago. That's because we are growing in Christ. Okay? But for the most part, God wants us to know what our gifts are so that we can be used by him. In his kingdom. Turn, uh, let's look at verse 6 here. Let's focus on this for a little bit. We're going to look through the second half of verse 6 down through verse 8. Okay? We'll we'll just start at the beginning verse 6. That would be a little easier. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us ought to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. If in service, if service in his serving He who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is not an exhaustive list here, okay guys? But we're going to run with it for a little bit. As a matter of fact, Paul writes about spiritual gifts in, in 1 Corinthians, and he also writes about it again in Ephesians and expands this list a little bit, but this is one we're going to deal with right now here in Romans chapter 12. Okay? And in this list, we see two categories of spiritual gifts. You've got one category that is speaking gifts. It's, it's, it's a way that, that those, there are those in this room who have been gifted by God to open their mouth and use this for him and for his kingdom. And then there are serving gifts. Okay, so first of all, let's look at the speaking ones. The first one we see about there in verse 6 is the gift of prophecy. Now, now that is not speaking about the type of prophecy that was a gift given to Paul. Paul was a capital A apostle, as well as the other apostles running around. And they were given the word of God to preach and also put down on paper for us 2,000 years later. Okay, they're at a whole different level. But prophecy means to be God's spokesman, God's spokeswoman. Okay? That's what it means for us. I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's, it's preaching. It's opening our mouths and talking. And, and, and it, is, it is not gender-specific, people. Okay? It's the ability to present not just gospel, but doctrine in a way that people understand and hear. Okay? It's very closely connected to the next one, Teaching. All right? Teaching, after that, we see exhorting. How many of you use used that word this past week? Anybody? Oh, I did a good job of exhorting those kiddos to get out of bed on Thursday morning. It was tough. They were tired, stayed up a little late on Wednesday night. Parents, that happened to you? You come to Wednesday night church, you get home, and you're like, oh, my goodness, get in bed now. Okay, why did Bailey give you candy again before she sent you home? I do not understand why she's doing that to me, all right? <laughs> Get to bed. And then the next morning, you exhort those children to get out of bed. Exhort them. Maybe your Bible said encourage. I'm not sure if that word can be properly applied to Thursday mornings either. But when talking in biblical context, encouraging is the person who has the ability to build others up with their words. Paul's friend, and actually they, they parted ways. Because... In Paul's opinion, and Paul was wrong, Barnabas was a little too encouraging to someone who had failed. Paul, Barnabas was the son of encouragement. Can you imagine being given a title like that? The daughter or the son of encouragement. Would that, I mean, is that the kind of person you want in your personal group? That's, sign me up for those people like crazy, okay? These things are to take place Publicly these speaking gifts and privately okay some of the best encouraging happens and takes place between individuals not large groups but this is it says in in proportion to their faith these things Did, did you catch that? says the prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, and that can be tied in as well to the other speaking gifts. And what that boils down to is this, what we are teaching, what we are encouraging with, what we are preaching better, never contradict what is in here. Okay? So that's one kind of side of the spiritual gifts, but the other side of the spiritual gifts are more the serving gifts, the ones we don't necessarily do so much with this thing, but we do with these and these. Okay? And we, and in fact, he even uses the words serving, giving, leading, showing mercy. A little bit more about these here in a second. Like I said, Paul expands on these lists in Corinthians as well as Ephesians. The point is this, though: in this list of gifts, every person in this room who is a follower of Jesus Christ, you will find yourself somewhere in those lists. The spiritual gifts to use to build the kingdom of God. And there are helps to get this done. All right, oh boy, I'm going to hang JB out to dry right here, okay? JB uh, did some work as we were getting ready for um, the elders get away there, little that we did, goodness, back in October. Seems like months ago now, and it was really only about less than two months ago. And what J.B. dug into a little bit was he, got, he, did, he found some helps tests. Some of you might have done these before, where you plug in some of not only just your personality. It's not a personality trait test. This is a spiritual gift test. You plug in some information, and it tells you where your spiritual giftedness lies. Okay? With a little bit of investment. I mean, it costs a little bit of money, but I think it's worth it. For us, if we're trying to find out where we are gifted and where we can serve. A little bit of investment, but it will tell you. And J.B. did it himself. And he said, man, I found out some things about myself that I didn't even know. And then I got to thinking about it. I was like, that makes sense. So, if you're interested in tracking that down, talk to J.B. about it. Because he can send you to where you need to go. And as a matter of fact, if we get several people talking to him about that, we'll put a slide together with some information of where to find, where you can go. might cost you a couple bucks, but where you can go to find out where you are spiritually gifted. Once we find out how and where we've been gifted by God, we get number three of Paul's advice. And it is this. Exercise. Our gifts. How many of you enjoy exercise? Let's see a show of hands. Keep those hands up. Keep them up. Okay. I want you I want you to look around right now. The people who've got their hands up. And the people who have their hands down. And the people who have their hands down are the honest people. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Raina. There are some weird people who like exercise. Okay. Um. I understand that. Um, Let's define exercise here a little bit because there are multiple definitions of exercise, and these are my definitions. I looked these up, all right? These are Merriman's right here, okay? So you can take it to the bank. Might have been Webster's, I'm not sure. They're the same. They're not the same, but who cares? All right, here we go. An activity requiring physical effort carried out to sustain and improve physical health and fitness. Does that just like ugh? Is there is there anything night? Nice? Just ugh. I'm going to read it again. An activity requiring physical effort carried out to sustain and improve physical health and fitness. Definition number one. Definition number two. A process or activity carried out for a specific purpose, especially one concerned with a specific area. Or skill. Let me tell you something. Both of these definitions I believe speak to why we need to exercise the gift or gifts that God has given to us. For our personal spiritual well-being as well as the well-being of the kingdom which is so much bigger than us. Paul says this. I mean, we just read it. We're not going to read it again. If you want to follow along, verses 6 through 8. Paul says this. He said, if your gift is serving, it's really complicated, serve. Okay. All right. If your gift is prophecy, preach. Preach. If it's teaching, can you help me? Teach. Yeah. I mean, it's complicated. I know it. If your gift is encouraging, Encourage. Absolutely. If your gift is giving, give, and he adds to it, generously. Yes. If leading, lead well with diligence. Lead well. Because, folks, we all lead. Everybody in this world is a leader. Because everybody in this world has somebody following them. The question is, are we leading well or not? If it's leading, lead well. If mercy... If showing mercy to others is your gift, do it with compassion and, Paul adds this, joy. He doesn't give us a lot of details. He said, just get doing it. Just do it. If only crescent wrenches could speak. I'll tell you what, poor crescent wrenches... I don't know maybe maybe I'm just weird. Okay? Because if I've got a job to do, yes, I do occasionally do some mechanical type work, occasionally, okay? And if I've got a job to do, give me the crescent wrench because man, that sucker can be everything, all right? It can be a hammer. Okay? It can it can do it can get you a standard bolt, it can get you a metric bolt, it can be a hammer. All right? Um, it can be the thing that's practically indestructible so that when you're mad, when things don't go right, you can throw it. I mean, those tools are very valuable because some tools cannot be thrown without breaking them. Crescent wrench, throw that sucker all day long, okay? If only crescent wrenches could speak and just say, I think they would talk kind of like my dad. I don't think it would be Jamie. I'm going to be, James, I'm not a hammer. I don't really like being thrown across the yard where your mangy mutt can pick me up, and then you've got to chase him around for 30 minutes to get me back. Is that really smart? No, it's not smart. Use me like I'm supposed to be used. I am a crescent wrench. And sometimes, folks, we do it to ourselves because we don't know how we are supposed to serve. So we just kind of throw ourselves here and there. And in the inside, spiritually, we're screaming, you're not meant for this. You're not. Somebody else, Jamie, signed me up for the women's Christmas craft today. I'm not meant for that. Okay? It happens every single time, actually. I don't know who does it. It's not? Sure, okay. There are ways in which God wants you to serve because He's gifted you in specific ways. And, guys, only when we get that figured out and make ourselves available to Him. Will we truly find contentment in our walk with Jesus Christ? Jesus built us to serve. He said the words himself. The son of man did not come to be served. But to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And he also said in that same context. Teachers. Students, students aren't above the teachers. You're my students. You are to serve. So Paul gives us this advice, humble confidence. It's very important when it comes to the ways in which we serve. To have a humble confidence in who we are and what we're about. To identify our gifts. If we have not if we have not done that yet in life, we will not be content until we do. And finally get to work. As much as we appreciate And depend upon those who serve within these walls. And I say we, I'm talking about the leadership team here at Deering. And we appreciate so much your willingness to serve. Whether it be on a Wednesday night with a group of kids. Whether it be teaching a Sunday school class. Whether it be serving a meal. Whether it be working in the faith cove. Which to me, when I'm here on Sunday morning, seems like a foreign country like 1,500 miles away. Okay? You are valuable and we appreciate what you do. But God has bigger plans than that for you and your gifts. This is just a little starting point. We are to take our ability and our gifts to serve outside these walls as well. One of the best Christmas gifts of my youth was a bow and arrow. It was. I loved it. I still think about that moment when I got that thing. And it was like a real compound bow. It was like the real deal. This is not a toy. This is like the real deal but I can tell you this right now my life would be lacking if I never took that thing outside the walls of our home and used it if I only used that thing in, the, in our home mom that, that, when you weren't around it probably wouldn't have been a good thing okay it would have been even my life would have turned out even more different if I never even got the thing out of the package but I just set it up there in the room and just stared at it and said that is cool That is so cool. Nah, it's meant to be used. That gift was meant to be used. And to be honest, in a positive way, now not an eternal way by any means, but in a positive way, it mightily affected my life and changed the direction I was going in life. I wonder, though, how many times God has gifted us with something and we set it against the wall in our room and we just stare at it and say, that's kind of cool. Or perhaps we don't even know it's there. It's the UPS package on the porch that stays for two months because I never use the front door. And God desperately wants us to use what he's given to us. What are we doing with the greatest gifts and talents that he's given to us? Folks, in a bigger church, which we are, we're, we're, we, we went past the 75 thing a long, long time ago, Okay? And and in a bigger church, it will take, just like we talked about two weeks ago, a lot of personal initiative to figure this out. And how to serve God by serving people inside these walls and beyond. If you want more contentment in Christ, that's the formula. It's not complicated.